Hey, hockey moms, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. And now a word from tonight's sponsor. When you're looking for authentic Southwest food using homemade ingredients that are fresh, never frozen, be sure to go to Hot Tamale in Potsdam, Canton, and Ogdensburg. Since 2010, Hot Tamale's motto has been homemade, healthy, and in a hurry. Made right in front of you with a choice of over 20 toppings. Each day, your Hot Tamale serves up a different special. Today is family night. Buy three burritos or quesadillas and get the fourth free. And free is good. Check out their $5 and under menu at your Hot Tamale in Potsdam, Canton, and Ogdensburg. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. Episode 30 for us tonight, little milestone for the Blue Line Hockey Club. We have the usual suspects with us tonight, Patrick Uncle Lardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. Patrick's our producer in the house. We also have Derek D-Train, he too, all-around sports guru. What's up, D-Train? What's up, Sweetos? And our local nerd on staff, the geekiest one of us all, Robbie Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how's your mom and him? And your host tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, Doctor. Oh, Doctor. Yeah. Very special guest with us tonight, Matt Lashoff. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, welcome to the show. Out, so, thank you. Matt, where are you at these days? I am in St. Louis, middle of the country. I uh, made my way out here by a girl. I end up marrying and yeah we're we're having a good old time out here a couple kids it's uh it's a it's actually a fascinating hockey community i think it's probably one of the biggest alumni associations in the entire league so i'm very lucky to have a bunch of hockey guys around me and a built-in family pretty quickly so it's been great yeah we've interviewed a lot of guys that actually came out of st louis and we were like where the hell is this st louis hockey coming from but you know uh (laughs) we've been seems like everybody we talked to is out in st louis so your kids yeah. are going to have a, a nice little minor hockey program growing up out there. Yeah, that's for sure. It's already going now. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd say I'm pleasantly surprised or absolutely shocked at minor hockey for our kids going through it right now. It's it definitely, it, it's a world I, I didn't, uh, I definitely didn't see when I was coming up playing. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. What age, Matt? I got a six-year-old boy that's in it now. Yeah. So he's yeah. a mite right now. Yeah, we're, we're in the AU myself here. Yeah. It's yeah. lovely. Parents start getting very incredible at this age. Oh, <laughs> their beauty's up here. Going to be Is the next co- Coach Lashoff, are you the coach? Uh, you, you know, I get assistant coach duties because I'm running around all over the place. So I get the nice, well, I like to call myself the associate coach just in case you know, my, my <laughs> partner doesn't, but my partner is the president of the organization. So I'm, I'm, I think he's, his role is pretty solidified. So you get, you're just enough to have to go through all the USA hockey clinics and, uh, oh, ex- modules. exactly. Yes. I, I, not, I'm not your to the hill. And I've got my helmet on the ice. I'm ready to go, just in case I get taken out by an eight-year-old. Just in case, yeah. 
Yeah, he I played heard. in the NHL, and he, he needed a clinic to uh, coach six-year-olds. <laughs> unbelievable. Right. <laughs> I heard, uh, Matt, they just came out with a new rule. If you step on the ice and uh, somebody sees you without that helmet, you're suspended for 30 days uh, before Dude, you I get back that. on the ice. I know. <laughs> you know what? Like, I was thinking about it after, though, and, like, I've seen, like, we, like I said, we've got an amazing alumni community here, and we've got a lot of, you know, ex-guys on the ice, like everybody from Chris Pronger, Jamal Mayers, to, like, guys that played in the minors, Neil Komodasi, Alex Brooks, who's, there are a couple scouts in the NHL, and, and uh, we're on the ice, and, like, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, it's a danger zone. Like, there's kids flying around everywhere. There's pads everywhere. And I've seen more than one guy get taken out from behind, go down and, like, smack their head off the ice. So I'm, like, bustling up and everything. Like, I'm ready to go when I get out there. Like, it's fucking dangerous. <laughs> it is. It is. Little kids taking your feet it's, out. Yeah, it's, sure. it's worse than a warm-up at the NHL. Guys are buzzing <laughs> shots off the crossbar everywhere. It's, like, insane. That's oh, funny. My money's on Pete going out without the helmet halfway through the season to pick up a 30-day vacay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. this. Taking my helmet off. You know, in men's league now, we have to wear – they're making you wear half shields or a full mask as well. What? Yeah. Must be maybe because you're – I don't know how old you guys are, but somebody's got to get a you – know, that's actually a good idea too, though. I mean, like some of these guys that I would play with, I mean, we've got a really good group to play with, but some of these guys are just fucking reckless. Like, oh, absolutely. For sure. Plus your blood so thin, you got about six India. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I took one in the face, took some stitches last year. wasn't wasn't fun, man. Going to work on Monday, but uh, hey, let's get into a little bit of your background, Matt. We've uh, kind of done some research over the the last few days, and you're from New York, right? Yep, I'm just uh, born and raised in just outside Albany, East Greenbush, New York, upstate. Um, yeah, so spent most of my life there. My parents are still there. Me and my brother. Um, yeah, we kind of came up through that whole process. It was a bit of a bit of a strange town as far as hockey was concerned you'd think it would be kind of this hotbed but uh you know we ended up having to travel pretty far as our uh, as our careers kind of evolved and we were we kept taking the next rung of the ladder so it kind of ended up bringing us all over the place but that's where uh, that's where home is that's where home will probably always be in my own head uh up yeah. in the northeast so yeah it was, yeah it was good where's that in new york east Al- greenbush albany area yeah, we're we're about like ten. Yeah, I would say ten to fifteen minutes uh, max out east of Albany. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah, we're through the Adirondacks from here. We're up in the St. Lawrence County, uh, Canton, St. Lawrence University, Clarkson okay, area. Yeah, yeah cool. we're all from awesome. up there. Did you ever make so, your uh, trip up uh, up to uh, St. Lawrence County to play minor hockey? Oh yeah, all the time when we were yeah for sure when we were younger all the time. I mean that was kind of the you know I. I had been lucky enough to kind of get a bunch of opportunities scholarship wise in school. And like, I know like in my own head, you know, whether the schools weren't as proficient as they, they may have been now or have been through, through the, through the years, you know, St. Lawrence had always kind of had a special place in my heart. Just my, my cousin went to school there. They're from the Queensbury, Lake George area. My cousin went to school there and we had a bunch of people and a bunch of friends that ended up going in there just because it's like, you know, obviously it's a beautiful spot and it's really not too far from home. So, so yeah, I love that area up there. Fun winners. What team did you play for? What, what team did you play for growing up? So I was with, like, I guess it would be technically called Troy Albany Youth Hockey for, 
a while, all the way up to about probably about like 10 or 11 years old. And then there was, there was a group of kids in the area that kind of kept developing. And really, I mean, at the end of the day, probably getting stagnated by the USA hockey process. And there was a group of people that ended up spawning off a team that I, I guess now, like nowadays, it would technically be called like an AAU program, as I'm kind of learning my minor hockey lingo right now. <laughs> St. Louis, you know. So they ended up taking this program up to uh, up the Adirondack, like where at the time the Adirondack Red Wings were playing in the AHL. Um, and now there's an East Coast League team there. I think it's the Thunder, maybe they're an affiliate of the Flames. So we played out of that building and ended up playing kind of all the East Coast rung of teams. We were, you know, in, in Boston every other weekend, Connecticut, Rhode Island, um, Long Island, kind of that whole circuit that we were playing. And we were, that was really kind of the tipping point for me that kind of started getting me into serious hockey not necessarily thinking that I was going to do anything with it at that point, but we were really exposed to a bunch of good players and guys that now I'm looking at that have, that have gone on to play, have pro careers. Some of them play in the NHL. We had a couple guys out of that program just go and sign, um, you know, sign college deals and, you know, anywhere from, you know, division three up to, you know, division one college uh, hockey program. So it ended up being a really, really good move. And I was lucky now looking back on it, that parents were kind of, you know, un, you know, took this massive undertaking to really create a program because kids were really that into it. So it was a it was a fortunate situation. But that big move up to up to Glens Falls, which for my parents, you know, you know, my dad working from four thirty five in the morning all the way up to you know four o'clock at night, you know, in a in a hard working laboring job, like, and then to drive us up there an hour one way. Um, and back, like that was a that was a really big commitment, and it was probably the thing that kind of started the started the track rolling towards the right direction as far as hockey was concerned. So Matt, you you know you asked about our age difference. We're uh, 80s. You're 86, right? Yep, yep, 86. Yep. So I'm curious. Back when we were playing, high school was you know still what I, I think. For us, we were striving to play. Was high school not as big of an option for you, or you know, playing for your high school team, or, or what? Did it change you know, already? Was, by, you went to Avon, didn't you? Well, I played at Avon, so yeah. So I ended up the only high school, like I guess, traditional high school experience that I had besides Avon. <laughs> I was in eighth grade in Troy, in Albany. All the Albany area, you know, was split up between. Albany and Troy and you know without trying to disrespect anybody Albany was Albany and Troy was a bunch of fucking thugs like it was like it was <laughs> going down there like you know Troy so I, I we, 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 we saw that <laughs> yeah so I'm in eighth grade and you know I'm I'm like you know I'm an eighth grade kid I want to be involved in some school activities because as you know, I would probably say that 99% of the hockey players that you'll ever meet really didn't ever have that school experience. Like we weren't at dances, we weren't, you know, doing any social events. So my one connection to to school was like, oh, maybe I can go, you know, play some high school hockey. And like, I was a seventh or eighth grade at the time. And the, the high school coach was like, hey, would you please come out and, you know, play with the team? And I said, sure. Yeah. So I was obviously going out there and being my typical jackass self trying to fucking toe drag everybody everywhere and going through <laughs> holding on to the puck for like three minutes and you know making a fucking ass of everybody i possibly could just being a typical you know seventh eighth grade kid 
you know, probably at this day watching the Pavel, Pavel Barber bullshit on, uh, on Instagram. <laughs> and like, that's what I was doing at that age. And I literally had this probably 12th grade kid jump me from behind, pound my head into the ground and like slam me into the board. And I ended up snapping my thumb. Like he broke my thumb in like four places and dislocated it. I never went back to high school hockey after that. That was it. Like I was done. <laughs> so that was my like traditional high school hockey experience. <laughs> and I probably deserved every bone that was broken in that situation. But then, yeah, like you said, I went on to play at Avon, which was, uh, you know, obviously a little bit more catered towards the, the hockey uh, the hockey experience and I went there obviously for the specific reason to go play hockey which was an unbelievable program and kind of really really lucky to to have uh, the crew that was there and it's a funny story like when I was you know talking about growing up like I ended up going down and playing in Connecticut with the youth hockey team at um we ended up the reason this this whole team got started is because we went up and played at the Peewee Quebec tournament and um there was a group the group that was there was myself it was a guy a kid by the name of Sean Back and he was uh, a minor league uh, hockey player he played kind of all over the place I lived with him for most of that year um in Jonathan Quick so and now funny story you know at the end of the day Jonathan Quick ended up marrying Sean's sister and then his other sister ended up marrying Matt Molson so it was like this kind of incestual situation where we were all together and we ended up bringing everybody to Avon like I was one of the first guys that got that scholarship there to go to Avon and then we, we kind of tugged everybody else to go there and that was kind of the first at that point was like probably the stepping stone of being like oh maybe we can do something with hockey here so for, for the record for the record, <laughs> Salisbury uh, alum, Salisbury. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. me, man! I hated playing. Those <laughs> <laughs> you oh know, man, you know, it was a, a different league for me. You know, we were a rough and tough team, um, not yeah. thugs, but we were, you know, a smaller team. We had something to prove every time we played a bigger, a bigger city team. And then the transition to private school league was a just a I, I had a tough time transitioning because uh, it was just such a finesse game and I was looking to knock people into the third row mm -hmm. so you're getting smoked. well you know <laughs> it was interesting though like my my I mean that whole transition for me just I mean everything from lifestyle to to the hockey I mean it was totally different like I remember you know going to Avon and you're just culture shock you know like I'm yeah. a small town kid yeah. you know you know, hard, hardworking family. And not that these kids weren't at Avon, but it's just, you know, it's a different mindset. Like we were there with like, you know, there was the, you know, the guy that ran Samsung's kid from China was there. Like it was, it was <laughs> right, insane. Right. You know, like I was totally out of my element with this whole thing. But I mean, and then on top of it, like you said, like, you know, for me, you're used to playing hockey at that point, you know, for like a, you know, pretty full season. Like you started, you know, kind of almost like the NHL is, is built right now. Like you're playing from pretty much September on and you go there and it's like, they told me that I needed to play three sports. I'm like three sports. Yeah. You, like I, I, I kind of left that behind a little bit ago. Like I'm in, you know, ninth, 10th grade right now, 10th grade. I think I was in at that point. And, um, I'll never forget. Like, they're like, Oh, well just like, you know, go try out for soccer or something. And like, you know, I, you'll be make the varsity team and you go on. So I go and try out for the varsity team and like, yeah, you know, we're going to drop you to the JV. You know, okay, <laughs> there we go. After that, well, you know, we're going to drop you to the third 
soccer team. <laughs> oh boy, here you know we what, go. I ended up playing. <laughs> yeah, I ended up playing fourth soccer that year. <laughs> I ended up playing fourth soccer, playing hockey, but then we were breaking into the rink like every other week. You know, every every other night, really. At that point, there was a little trick. You try to you know you get one of those straight brim hats and you could dip it up to the top of the door and we break into the rink and we go skate, you know, all night long. And I mean, we're like, let's go boys. And we were lucky to have a nice group. And I think like it's a, it's a different mentality. And I feel like even within the, uh, the prep school circuit, um, there's varying arrays of blue collarness within that. And you're yep. like, I think, you know, in Salisbury was kind of one of those spots and Avon, I was lucky to have it. Like, you know, you had a group of guys that, we're coming from a certain spot and thought a certain a certain way. That I think kind of changed my whole experience while I was there. The third sport I ended up playing was rock band. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Ping pong. Matt, you sound like you could have been from Canton, New York, and hung out with the four of us. To be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's get in. So then you got drafted by. Uh, well, you went to the OHL for a while, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I went from Avon and then got got uh, an opportunity to go to the U.S. program in Michigan. Um, I went out there, um, and then yeah, and then you know at the end of the day, the road ended up leading leading me to uh, to Kitchener. Um, I ended up getting drafted by the Sioux, and then some uh, behind the scenes stuff ended up happening, and I ended up getting traded to uh, to Kitchener, which was really kind of you know, that was the, the, the complete game changers really when I went there. I was I was in front of, you know, it was a nice kind of succession of coaches and organizations up into, you know, what now is the coaching staff for the San Jose Sharks was my coaching staff when I was in junior at, you know, 16 years old. So that's a pretty, you know, that's a, that's a lucky place to be at at the time, um, learning from guys who eventually are going to go on and, you know, be in the Stanley Cup Finals and coach in the NHL for a really long time. So, you know, that was kind of the tipping point, not in saying that we had a, we had an amazing group of guys out there and a lot of good leaders to, to learn from. And yeah, I mean, can my, my time in Kitchener was, was awesome. Hey, Matt, you, um, you know, a lot of uh, Americans that go to the, NDP out in Michigan, you know, you get some of them that go to the OHL, but majority of them go mm-hmm. NCAA. And with you being in, uh, you know, Albany area with RPI and some of the ECAC teams, why did you take the OHL over the NCAA? Well, it's an interesting story, and I don't know if this is – I mean, I guess it would probably have been, yeah, definitely public knowledge at the time, but I, I ended up committing to Boston University for – and I was I committed at 14 years old to go there. Wow. And, yeah, and I, and I had – you know, I had – I was in a very fortunate situation where I had, you know, pretty much every school from Michigan East kind of choose from. Like, I was – no, like I said, I was pretty lucky to be able to have that that opportunity to go to a bunch of those schools. I wanted to stay east. I kind of had it decided between BU and BC, and I ended up choosing BU to go there. Um, and then I just I was at the US program, and you know things were going a certain way. And you know my agent at the time was Bobby Orr, and I, there was a bunch of kind of conversations around where I was, and I didn't have the greatest year I felt from my own um, standpoint uh, at the U.S. program. And, and granted, it was a different situation there at that time as well. Like, I mean, it was it was ran very military-esque. 
the coach I had was David Quinn, um, who's now with the Rangers. Um, and he, you know, an amazing, amazing coach, like a hard nosed guy, really at the end of the day, I probably hated him during that year, but really brought a lot out of me at that time. Um, and, and it, the whole year just kind of got me thinking about different things and where I was with my career. And at the end of the day, I kind of sat down with my, myself and my, my agent at the time and Bobby, you know, Bobby gets a lot of, um, you know, Hey, he's the figurehead of this agency or whatever that, whatever everybody's um, perceives him to be, but he, he's very involved with these situations. And, and for me, he was very involved with me at a young age. And I couldn't be more thankful to have, obviously, you know, a legendary hockey figure with a big name everybody sees. But he was like, I mean, he was like my best friend for months on end because this was such a tumultuous decision to make. Because, like I said, like, you know, small town kids, small town family. Um, opportunity to go to college for free for four years or, you know, roll the dice and go to junior. So this was a massive decision. And at the end of the day, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and, and, you know, I ended up rolling the dice on myself and I ended up going to school while I was up in Kitchener. That was kind of the one deal I made with my parents um, and myself to be able to, you know, get, get the education while I was going up there. Um, it's not the, you know, glamorous, Boston University degree, but I did go up and get uh, get stuff done at a, at a very good school in Kitchener. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that was one of the toughest decisions I'll, I've, I've made to this day, you know, and having to call Jack Parker at, I was 16 years old and tell him that I wasn't going to accept the commitment anymore. It was one of the hardest phone calls I've ever had to make, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, obviously, an amazing guy took that very well he I mean they had incredible players go through there after myself so I don't know how big of a hit it was at the end of the day but um but yeah it was that was a very tumultuous point at a you know at the end of the day at a very young young hockey player's life so then yeah. you got drafted to the Bruins yeah yeah and then I was yeah and then I got drafted to the Bruins coincidence coincidence yeah Bobby, I, you know, I, don't connection. Know. I, I don't know I <laughs> Boston fans are not too forgiving, that's for sure. I know from from vast experience. But yeah, I ended up getting dropped, drafted by the Bruins. And funny, I mean, crazy story. I was sitting at the draft, and obviously the draft that I was in, you know, it was a bit of a different year. Like we were coming out of a lockout, and we, you know, we had a um, a generational player in Sidney Crosby going in that draft, and I just missed the draft the year before. Um, by a couple days just because of my birthday, which ended up hurting me not only in my pocketbook because the, the, the bonuses ended up going down pretty drastically, but the next year I ended up getting mono and I was out for like the first two and a half months of the season. Um, it might have even been two, it might have been three months that I was out for the season. So, um, so yeah, that kind of detrimented me going into the end of the season and my draft status. Luckily, I was still able to kind of hang on to a first-round position. But I was going in, and I remember sitting at amazing meetings with uh, with the Devils, and and they picked right after Boston. And I thought for sure that I was going to go to the go to the Devils. I think at one point that you can see in the tape, there's like a big lull in the in the draft after I Boston took me because. The, the New Jersey had my name on the jersey. Like I think that they thought I was everything was gonna go later on. So like I, I had my sights set on like I'm like oh man like I'm I got one more pick to kind of wait here and and uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, for Boston ended up snagging me and then uh, and then they fired everybody and before I even got in there was a bit of a, 
you know, Fuck. I don't know. That ended up happening uh, that I, I should have got used to it there because that ended up happening in every team that I ended up going to. So I don't know if I'm bad luck or what, but <laughs> everybody ended up getting fired within a year or so that I was there with the whole organization and every team I played on. So give us a little bit about your first NHL experience and your first game in the NHL and how much that was uh, part of your memories of your hockey career. Was that first game very memorable? Oh, man. I mean, the whole thing was just, you know, it's so overwhelming. And I think that the thing I'm amazed with most now watching the game is the confidence that these kids come in with. I mean, you're seeing these guys. And I and I saw an interview the other day. I think it was Blake Wheeler, who I ended up playing with in, in Boston and kind of seeing. And we were coming up together. And we were just, I mean, we were petrified going into the room. And I think it was a little bit of a different time. And I don't think that we, you know, as players of my age level, um, a little bit older, a little bit younger, um, I don't think we see ourselves or ever saw ourselves as playing in the NHL as these guys that we kind of looked up to, like the legendary players that have gone through, like your Mark Messier, your Brian Leaches, for myself, um, you know, Doug, Dougie Gilmore, like all these guys, I mean, they were just like, they're like in a different category of the whole sport, you know, and, and we were lucky enough at our age to kind of come in at the back end of those guys' careers. So when you're kind of, go, when you're going into those locker rooms and those situations, like you're on the ice with these guys, and for me, it was, you know, Joe Thornton and Brian Leach ended up being there. And obviously the Avon connection, he kind of took me under his wing, which I was, you know, I'm fully indebted to, to him to this day um, and making me feel comfortable in that locker room. But the whole experience, I think it's just, it's so overwhelming. And I think as hockey guys and the kids grow up and now there's such an availability to, to look and, and see everybody, you get enamored with these players. And I think we were fortunate to grow up at a time where like, you know, there wasn't all this availability to see these guys. So, you know, every opportunity you got to watch them, every opportunity you could, you know, burn a tape and, and watch these plays. You, so you kind of, you know, built all these guys up onto a pedestal. Um, so you, when you go into that room, man, the first time, it's just, it's insane. It's just one of the coolest experiences you can ever have. And fortunately, you know, I got the opportunity to be in that room and really gain a lot of friendships with some of those older guys as well. You know, at the end of the day, it didn't last as long as I would have liked to from a health standpoint um, and a circumstantial standpoint. And at the end of the day, probably a playing standpoint to some degree. But man, what a great experience. What a cool thing. You never forget that jitter. You never forget that uh, that feeling in your stomach walking into the, into the locker room the first time and just kind of seeing the guys around and the whole thing i mean it's unforgettable and it's uh it's something that just it, it's like ingrained and burned into your soul for the rest of your life that experience did you do you have any initiation stories did they send you out on the ice first did they make you pay for dinner anything mm. like that you know yeah well you know i was lucky i mean i, I the, the, <laughs> the the whole going out in the ice thing that didn't exist back <laughs> I mean, it, that, when I saw that the first time, I was kind of well into it, and I was involved in one of those kind of sitting back in the thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me, because I'm like, if that would have happened to me, like, in my first, I mean, that's why I'm saying, like, I mean, these guys now, you see these young kids, just, I mean, it's, it's a different game for sure yeah. um, now with the the youngness and the speed and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's incredible to see these kids come out and just like grab the bull by the horns and run with it, which I think is just such an amazing test, a test to the, the amount of mental um, 
coaching that has been going on over the last little bit and the confidence these guys are coming in. But the one story that I think that I've, that I've got, I remember I was, I was out to dinner, my first road trip in the NHL, we were in New York city, which is like the Rangers were my team growing up, obviously from New York. Like that was the only station we got. We got, we got Nesson every once in a while and we got MSG <laughs> every day of the week, you know? So <laughs> I was in New York city and I'm, I'm in a table with like, you know, every one of the veterans and like one other, with one other younger guy who ended up being Phil Kessler. And uh, <laughs> Phil had made the team out of camp, and I had been, I had come in probably about a month into that year after being spending the first little bit in minors, and we go to this place called Tao in in uh, New York City, like big you know kind of uh, Chinese Chinese food restaurant, Asian food restaurant. We're all I guess the celebrities go, so we're in there, and like at the time that you know Seinfeld and uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm are big, so like the whole cast of that show is sitting right behind us. We got a table of, like twelve dudes. And I mean, the place of food that are coming out, we could have, we could have fed the whole place, you know, it's just, you know, I <laughs> hungry hockey players the night before a game, you know, guys are drinking wine, having beer. I'm like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. Like, what am I doing at this table? <laughs> so the bill comes at the end and it's, this thing's got to be like, I mean, it was easy five grand, like looking at this bill at the end of the night. And I'm sitting here, like, I haven't gotten paid yet. <laughs> and I'm looking at myself, I'm going like, what the fuck? Like, how am I supposed to pay for this deal? I don't have a credit card. I have like a debit card. Like, I mean, that's how new this was. You're 18 years old. You get your first paycheck. You're trying to figure this shit out in the beginning. And I'll never forget. I go to the bathroom and I like call my dad. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck do I do? I don't know what's going on. He's like, well, he goes, well, do you need me to like, I can I can like send you a check and just tell them to go to the guys you get them back and I'm like what the fuck like, I'm not gonna tell the guys I'm gonna send them a check tomorrow like I like roll back give me your credit card number yeah these guys are just dying laughing like they can see me sweating bullets obviously they're like don't worry about it kid like we got it so I'm, I remember Glenn Murray was ended up being the guy who I was sitting next to and he's like we got it man like don't worry about it so I was like holy shit thank god like, but then there's obviously you know your your standard initiation days are like you know the rookie parties and all that kind of stuff but man yeah that was the one thing where I was like holy shit thank god I got out of that one <laughs> yep Next night, I ended up getting hit by a fucking slap shot on the bench by Yamir Yager. I was not too happy about that. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the on show. The bench, too. I mean, at least I would have went down and blocked it. I would have been expecting it, but I was like straight in the bench, right in the neck. <laughs> hey, still remember that, though. Good story. Yeah. Not too many guys that had a cup of coffee in the NHL, man, and you were lucky enough to be on several teams in the NHL. And, uh, Pat, did you want to ask him about the uh, KHL and the experience over there? Yeah, what's some of the experiences over there? Do you have any crazy stories playing in uh, Russia? Oh, yeah, I mean, I you could do a whole show on this fucking place. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the whole Russia experience is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I get over there. I'll start from, I'll start, I'll do the kind of chronological order of, of my time in Russia. So, I go over to Russia and I decide to sign this contract in the middle of the year. Everybody goes over to Russia for one reason and that's money. Like, and everybody over there is overpaid. 
um, by a long shot. Everybody <laughs> from the random Russian dude that's there to Ilya Kovalchuk, no matter what it is, you're, you're overpaid as far as NHL standards are concerned. Um, so I get over there and I decide to sign this contract and I have a, at the time, I think it was, my son was two years old and we had another baby on the way due in August. And at, I don't know if you know, but you, you've got to go over to Russia. Training camp starts in like the first week of July. So training camps from the first week of July all the way until September 1st, the season starts. So you're over there and it's just like an absolute shit kicking mess that you're involved with for two months. And my daughter is due August, like I think it was August 7th that she was due. So I'm over there. The first day you hear all this, you know, the horror stories about the training. I get over there. The first day we ran 14 miles. We skated two and a half hours with a weight vest on. We swam for an hour in the middle of the night. And then we had all this, you know, stupid fucking team shit in the, in the middle of all this stuff. So I make it through that first day and I'm like, oh my God, I fucking made it. Like, I'm good. This was the testing day. I'm good. Well, the next thing I know, we're waking up the next morning. And we're doing the same shit. And then then after that, after that, after that, day in and day out, we're doing this. And I'm like, I am literally ready to die. Like, I don't know (laughs) how these guys are doing this, right? So I turn the corner in the room and there's a line going into what is the training room in this dungeon of a rink that we were in. We ended up, at that point, we were in Europe, which was nice. Like, we kind of, because Russia, the rinks don't open in training camp. Um, at that, that period of the, of the year, like they open up like a couple weeks before the season starts, they put all the ice in. So we were in Europe, we were bouncing around. Um, I go in and I see this, you know, this line of guys. I'm like, well, I wonder what's going on. Maybe we got to like go see the coach or something. So I jump in the line and, uh, next thing I know, I, I'm, I'm looking in the room and there's like a, you know, like a picnic table length situation going on there with a with a bunch of pills in this you know (laughs) russian language on all this stuff and then no word of a lie everybody's at the end of the table getting a needle in their ass and i'm like (laughs) well these guys look pretty fresh so i'm I'm, I'm joining the party like let's go so uh so i get in this thing and i don't think it was um steroids or anything like that. I mean, I think it was probably like anything. What they said was anti-inflammatory. Oh, you know what they kept saying? Yeah, it's fucking B12. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. right. <laughs> 12, all right, yeah. So, you know, I go through this. And I don't know if it was just the pills or I just got acclimated to the situation, but I started feeling pretty good after about a week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So that was kind of my first initiation into the into the Russian thing, and then it just and then I ended up. So the training camp is going on, and I decide that you know, hey, my my daughter is about to be born here, and I had a clause in my contract that I was able to go out. And I started the whole thing was great. On the ice situation was awesome. You know, like playing a bunch, get over there, you're on like you know the the patented first power play, first penalty kill, first line. Everything's in lines over there. Five groups of five. Like if one guy changes on your line, everybody else got to change. So you got one guy out of shape, you're fucked because everybody's getting off the ice. <laughs> it's brutal, you know. Like, so we're going out there, and I'm like, okay, this is great. Like I need, I got this in my contract. So I literally had to roll the dice at the time to figure out when my daughter was going to be born, or I was going to miss the birth because it was going to take me so long to get back. So I rolled the dice. I ended up getting home at like six in the morning. Two days of travel. My daughter, my, my wife went into labor that morning at like nine o'clock in the morning. So it was like perfect timing. I get back and I'm like, holy shit, perfect. Well, 
I'm supposed to, oh, I have in my contract only five or seven days, but it takes them two days to get back there. So I really only had five. Well, they screwed my visa up. So I, I, I was there for longer. I get back over there. I'm not even on the practice roster. Like I'm not even on the ice. They won't even allow me to go on the ice. So they were uh. pissed off that this whole thing happened. And then it was really just kind of downhill from there for me on a playing standpoint. It was just kind of like in and out. All the shit the team was bad. Um, money getting paid in paper bags with your uh, <laughs> bonus money after the year. You know, the mob runs the team. It's like one game I'm coming in, I'm like, man, my, my stack seems a little light here, like on this thing of what's going on. It's like, yeah, I'm not like, yeah, you fucking, you're not good tonight, man. Like, you are not fucking good. You might have won, like, and I'm like, we won, dude. What the hell? Like, come on. Like, so, and then at the end of the situation, you know, I was, I was, I ended up getting an opportunity to be able to come back and finish up the year in the, in the American League. And obviously for me, with a family, um, our, our team was, was uh, not very good that year, so we weren't going to make the playoffs. So I decided to go in and, and say, like, listen, like, you know, it wasn't working out on the ice anyway. Like, I'm going to go home. So they gave me a settlement on my contract. And, and this year, you have to understand, too, like, the, the day I, I flew over there was the day they shot that fucking plane out of the sky and over the Ukraine. So, like, there's all these sanctions and shit. Like, it was just a nightmare to be an American in Russia at that time. Like, it was not good. So I'm over there and, uh, you know, the, the contract dispute is start, starting to happen of like what I'm going to get paid while I leave, while I leave Russia. Like how am I, what am I going to leave with kind of thing? And so I'll never forget. This is like one of the craziest things that happened to me while I was over there. Like, so it's like two in the morning, I'm sleeping. I'm like two days into a holdout on what I'm supposed to get paid to leave this place. And I get a rap on my door at, the, at two in the morning and I'm like, scares the shit out of me. I will look through the people and there's like two police officers with AKs standing out front of my door. So like in Russia, if you have any police involvement, then your contract is completely void. And not only is what you're supposed to get paid void, you have to pay everything back. Oh. So they were trying to like, you know, get me involved in the police. And they said that the, they said that there was a noise call, a noise complaint on my hotel, on my, my apartment. And I was like, I've been sleeping for like four hours, guys. I just want to go home. So that was, that was, that was the culmination. The next day I walked in, I was like, all right, like I had a great relationship. Thank God with the general manager who was over there. It was actually a guy who played in the NHL, Valerie Zalapukin, who was an amazing guy. Um, really, really helped me out throughout the whole situation. I ended up going in. I'm like, Valerie, did you fucking call the police on me? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like, well, fuck. Like, you, you're not signing the contract. Fuck me. Like, what the hell? So I'm, <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, we just got to get this thing done, and I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Back to America. The, you know, Please. <laughs> trajectory of my time in Russia with definitely some other weird shit sprinkled in between for sure. I, bet. I, bet. I, I had a... The reason I bring that up, I had a story. I heard um, a guy played in the uh, KHL. Um, one night he was late night with the stripper over there, blowing lines, hanging out. She actually left like at three, four o'clock in the morning, hit a pedestrian and killed him. Um, she oh, went to jail, called this hockey guy that was playing, that she was, you know, hanging out with, called him. He uh, immediately hung up, called the GM or whatever of his KHL team. And the next day, she was out scot-free, no, no charges or anything, and the paper said he was drunk in the street and got hit by a car. 
Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's a crazy world over there, man. I mean, and they and and at the end of the day, like I said, you know, it's it's built around money. Like I said, like I mean, the guys, everyone in that league is is overpaid, and like if there's a guy not doing well, like imagine if they had that opportunity to just like let guys go in the NHL or send them down and only have X amount of hit. Like they don't have that option there, so they got to get creative, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's a it's a it's the wild west over there, man. There's not a whole lot of rules, but I mean, at the end of the day, what a great experience it was! It was a uh, it was an awesome kind of like it was one of those things where, like you said, like I mean, I'll have stories for years about this stuff. I mean, we're just scratching the surface on that, and like you know, it was it was very it was a very cool thing, and I and I think that the friendships that you gain over there because you really have to lean on. Um, the North American guys, not only on your own team, but on every other team as well. Like it's like, and ever anybody's coming into town, you are calling that guy up, no matter if you don't, you've never known him in your entire life. Like if he's a North American guy or a Czech guy or somebody outside of Russia, like you are calling them and you're like, we're going to dinner now. We need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a really cool place with that kind of thing. Cause I gained so many friends and, you know, just the war stories, so to speak of being over there. Like they're just endless. And it's, I mean, the shit that I've heard that's happened and has happened to me over there. Like, I mean, you don't, there's not enough time in the day to go off of it. And it's like, you just be sitting there with your jaw on the floor with this shit that's just a day to day. Like, and that's the thing. There's a, there's a saying over there in Russia that it's, it's normal. Hey, it's, it's, this is fucking Russia. Like, what do you expect? You know? like, that's it, man. Like, that's exactly what it is. It's just like, Hey, all right, we'll just get through it. <laughs> Well, listen, hey, Rob's been working on a Russian collusion story, so he's been taking a lot of notes while you've been talking. But <laughs> yeah, listen, it's, it's well documented in the news. I don't have to take any notes. All uh, right, we uh, got you're trying, trying, <laughs> trying to build it up, so we before, saw you taking notes back there. <laughs> yeah, before you, uh, well, before we move from the KHL, I'm curious, uh, leaning on other North Americans, did you happen to run into Chris Lee over there? Yeah, man. I mean, like Chris Lee, actually. So obviously, I've, uh, you know, a music background and uh, Chris is in Nashville with his family. So I got to know Chris a bunch before I even went over there. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, he was a guy I leaned on throughout the whole time. I mean, just an absolute sweetheart of a human being, just like him and his family and the stuff that, I mean, he goes through to be over there. Obviously, he's getting compensated financially for, but just like the mental grind and the stuff that he has to go through with his family being away, um, you know, and the trajectory of his career. I mean, it just kind of revitalized what he was. He was always an amazing player. And just like, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like this stuff happens, like guys kind of, you know, fall through the cracks at times and an amazing player that, you know, never really got an opportunity here and ends up going over there and just blowing up the league and pretty much making an NHL salary and not having the glory of being in the NHL. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't have enough thing, good things to say about that guy. I mean, just an, an amazing person. And, and, yeah, I mean, just an incredible career he's been able to carve out for himself over there for sure. Well, if you run into him, you tell him that Rob Peters, I went to school with him. I played hockey with him in college. You can tell him <laughs> cool. I said hi and that I would love to hear from him. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. it's been he almost is, two uh, decades. one of the best, man. <laughs> hey, anybody that can spend that much time over in Magnitogorsk, Russia, is an absolute saint. <laughs> well, 
Well, I they just, so, just retired, and they I guess they they did uh, they put a star on the on the rink, and uh, they did yeah. it right there. Um, so that was yeah. pretty neat to see. But um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's I'm, an incredible program they have there. I mean, obviously, you know, the big name that went through there is Malkin, but they got a guy over there um, by the name of Sergey Mosiakin, and he's probably like. I mean, he's a little older now, but he's probably the best player outside of the NHL. Like, out, like absolutely dismantles that league every year. But just like as kind of you know, Russia, uh, you know, indicates on itself. Like those guys just don't want to leave. Like they're like, you know, why? Like why would I want to leave my home when I'm making X amount of dollars and I can you know sit here and you know deal with the shit they got to deal with. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's another kid that I'm interested to see if he ends up coming over is that I, that I played with over there is that Kirill Kaprizov. He's, uh, he is an absolutely outstanding hockey player and a really Minnesota good Wild. kid. Like, yeah. Minnesota wild draft pick, like just a great kid, hungry, works hard, like wants the NHL, at least you think as far as the Russian kid is concerned. And it's like, he would just, he would be a star in the, in the league, especially the way it is right now. And it's like, I'm so interested to see when or if he's going to make the jump over here because, you know, at the end of the day, it's tough. Like, you know, those guys are, are compensated so well and the young players they don't allow them to stay with the teams that they're with. They, they bring them all to the best teams, which is, you know, uh, St. Petersburg and Moscow, and they bring them all there, and then they kind of curtail them and get them ready for the national team program. So I'm, I'm so interested to see what he does because I think it would just be such a pleasant surprise for him to come over to the NHL and just – I mean, he'd be like a, another Kuznetsov kind of guy, you know, like, I mean, just a, an incredible player and be lucky to have him over here. So, yeah, that Russia, though, man, I, you never know what you're going to get <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I when you said brown paper bags of money, isn't that uh, common? That's yeah, I paid. mean, it's completely common. I mean, at the end of the day, like some guys, I mean, a little bit earlier in my time, some guys were probably getting their actual contracts or their salary, like their week or monthly over there, payments in the bags. Like we weren't getting that. Like we had a sketchy as shit bank that our stuff was getting put in that we were told to get it out of there the day that it gets in there because we never know if the bank's going to close and they're just going to take all your money. So like, <laughs> <or> that situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, like our bonus money. So I, I don't know if it's common knowledge, but a lot of the contracts, the way they work over there is that you have a bonus per win. So it's like if you in the NHL, it's a two points per win. So everybody on the team would get what I think works out to be a rounding around a thousand dollars per point. So if you know you got a good team, you know in the NHL you a hundred points. It's like it's a hundred thousand dollars for these guys that are putting in a thing. So those were the payments that we always got in the paper bags that at the end of the games or at the end of the week or practice the next day or whatever. And you're kind of sitting there, you're going like, what the fuck? Like I I wasn't that bad. Like what's going on here? <laughs> so. Yeah, but I mean, there's definitely those stories about that I've heard about guys getting there a little bit earlier from where they, I mean, there was a big trajectory change of, of the league when it was over there. Obviously, the Super League was was just, I mean, the Wild West doesn't even begin to explain it. And then when the KHL kind of go in, they tried to clean up a lot of the riffraff. And, um, and now you see, like, the team that I was on doesn't even exist anymore because of financial reasons. And then obviously there's that team in Croatia, Zagreb. Like, they had financial problems, so they're trying to kind of clean it up, which is good, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's a great league, and there's great players over there, 
Um, and there's obviously just the riffraff and war stories that kind of surround it. But it really, I mean, like you said, I mean, there's gemstones of players over there that may never enter the NHL that could very easily kind of make an impact over there. So that was the cool part, too. Like, you're seeing these guys in different styles of play and all that kind of stuff that were really, really uh, entertaining to watch for sure. Well, Matt, we know that you've, uh, you've transitioned now into kind of the music realm of the world got a song stronger together that's a big hit out there right now but to talk to us about how music uh, played such a big role in your life and how you transitioned in, into that yeah so music had just kind of always been one of those things that was in my life like my dad was uh, a musician ever since i can remember um playing in bands and just like you know bar bands and you know different groups and of stuff and playing around town and playing at home all the time my dad is an incredible musician he won't allow me to say that but you know he can play anything with strings pretty much you know like guitar bass banjo mandolin uh fiddle uh, <laughs> just like an incredible musician <laughs> like, so i mean i kind of got it from them but and then they always used to have my dad's bands always used to have band practice at our house my mom absolutely just loved she loved it you know <laughs> stay longer so have more beers exactly yeah so all the gear was there right like i had i just had availability to all this stuff and like you know as a kid does you know he goes down and starts banging around on on shit so like for me, it was just kind of one of those things that I took to, you know, I, hey, let's make some noise. And um, the real, the kind of change of it where I really started falling in love with it is I, and it's funny talking about this now is I, I got introduced to Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, and I remember just watching the, that El Combo tape, uh, first listening to it on a, on a cassette tape and then watching it. My parents <laughs> ended up getting me a DVD for Christmas. And I was just like enamored with this guy. Um, and that's kind of really where it started. And I started kind of, you know, years later, I started trying trying to write songs for myself and, you know, being on the road and throughout all the hockey, you know, places that I was, that was the one constant with the whole thing. Like whether I left home for, you know, 13 years old, back and forth, I always had the guitar to kind of lean on and, you know, write whatever I was feeling and that kind of stuff, um, which is what is a very bizarre thing to do in the hockey world at that time they're like what you're feeling like what are you talking about man like so it was a, it was a really nice out for me and then um and then yeah that kind of transitioned into when i was with the bruins i got an opportunity to play on something that they were doing just kind of like a player showcase something like that i played a little guitar on that and it got it, uh, somebody in LA saw it that was a producer and ended up contacting me and asking me if I wanted to wanted to do a record and I initially I said no I was like no I don't know what you're talking about um, I, I just kind of do this for myself for fun and you know after a couple months of sitting and thinking about it I ended up you know going back through my email and you know seeing what the guy said and I was like you know what at the end of the day this is something that I really love and I feel like if I turn this opportunity down to do it, I will regret it. So I ended up cutting a record in the summer uh, of that year where I was with, I think I ended up getting traded one of those years. And I think I might've ended up being with Tampa at the time that I ended up finishing the record up, but it was an unbelievable experience and obviously kind of started the, the ball rolling for me as far as music was concerned. And I mean, I like incredible musicians played on that record. Like it was Kenny Aronoff was my drummer who's played with Mellencamp and everybody else and their brother um, in the in the world. Lee Sklar was the bass player. Same situation. 
um, David Sanchez was the key player, key keyboard player was like a, the, the founding member of the E Street Band. Like, I mean, just insane players that this producer that ended up, you know, you know, hooking me up here, um, brought all these guys and they were all like mutual friends of him. So I got to hang out with these guys for like a week and just pick their brain and do all this stuff. And that really kind of started it. Uh, for me and then I really kind of at the end of the day I really took to the songwriting side, side of things and uh, and that's kind of where I'm living right now with it so yeah so it's been a it's been a cool run and I'm still learning a, a bunch and um, I've been fortunate enough to meet some amazing people within this industry um, and there's definitely some non-amazing people so I've been lucky for sure to uh, to find and stumble upon some pretty good ones. So you've had a really boring life, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I, it has its moments for sure where it's like, oh my God, well, it, feels, it feels like you're in the middle of a buzzsaw at times. But, you know, it's definitely, there's not a dull day, that's for sure. So the uh, the Stronger Together song that got picked up by the Vegas team after the uh, tragedy they had last year, right? Yeah, yeah. So Stronger Together kind of came out of um, of all that stuff happening, and it was kind of a perfect um it was kind of a perfect time for me to to write that song just kind of with what was going on in my life as well like i had just retired um technically like i i was i was considering trying to play for another year um but my knee has been a mess for the last little while i've got to get a, get a couple surgeries on it i need another one coming up here so it was like i knew i shouldn't be playing and i knew i wasn't going to be able to be myself um, on the ice and just trying to figure out like, you know, Hey, what is it going to, what am I going to do here? Like, you know, like, am I going to kind of go full bore into this music thing? Am I going to try to do a couple different things? Cause obviously like we've touched on, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm blessed with, uh, the mind have a lot of passions, but also cursed with that as well. You know, it's like, you know, you have these, these different things going on and it's tough sometimes to kind of settle on things that you're, you're, you know, you love. So, um, so it was, it was the perfect time for me to kind of dial into this, that whole passion of, and, and the feeling of just kind of needing other people and, you know, being able to lean on them. And obviously the tragedy that happened out there and just kind of knowing, well, and knowing a bunch of the players that have been in the situation around their new team, new group, new everybody. I mean, it, it, just the whole thing struck. And then obviously there was some people involved with the Jason Aldean crew that I had, you know, had met in passing and all that kind of stuff. So it was just, it was, uh, it was all kind of like a perfect storm of being able to kind of hit lightning in a bottle with that song. And, and as many songwriters will tell you, like, you know, usually you go in and bang out these sessions for, for hours and get a song. And that thing just kind of like, it fell out. And I didn't know what was gonna, what, what was gonna happen to it. And I ended up sharing it with somebody. Um, and it was just an iPhone recording at the time. And they were like, you know, we want to, I think this would be perfect for the stuff that we have going on out here. And I ended up, you know, going into the studio and banging that thing out in a day recording wise, which is like, I mean, the engineers did not like me that day because it was just like pounding them into the sand with stuff to do and like all this stuff. But man, yeah, what a, what an incredible, uh, what an incredible thing to be involved with and very honored to have that song be chose uh, to, to kind of, support and represent what the community have been going on and, and I mean it still kind of lives on to this day I mean I've been lucky and been blessed to have people from Vegas kind of reaching out to me that have been through the tragedy on like some some very very serious um, 
side just kind of reach out and say like that song you know has helped them through x y and z and like to me like that was just mind-boggling to me like i couldn't even wrap my head around that um at the time when it was coming out like i literally like i almost felt embarrassed to just kind of be like wow like something that that was created in my basement has been able to help somebody else out and uh, you know and but that's what this music kind of lives in with with everybody that's addicted to it is is uh is that feeling you're trying to chase that feeling maybe it's for yourself or maybe it's the ability to somehow um, have the opportunity to share that with somebody else and i was kind of lucky to catch the lightning at that point with that song so yeah so matt for the listeners where uh, do you have a website that they can go to check out your music yeah, so my my website is just mattlashoff.com, and then on my Instagram and Twitter handles are just my name, really. I think Instagram is mlashoff, and uh, Twitter is at mattlashoff. But um, with, as far as music stuff, right now I'm, I'm finishing up uh, a huge project, which I'm so excited about um at this point it's been it's been literally every song that i've loved or did not get taken by somebody else that i had written it with or cut or used in some sort of publication over the last uh 10 years that i've taken these songs and i've over the past year been uh, been recording them so we're like right in the home stretch right now um about uh, three weeks out or so before we're finished with them so um I am super excited. We're going into tracking drums on, on next Monday. And then, yeah, we're going to kind of see where these songs can live and how they shake out. So that's kind of been my passion project right now over the last little bit is, is really kind of my, it, it really kind of surmises my hockey life and all the songs that I had written throughout my career and the ones that I loved, like I said, that didn't either get cut by somebody else or taken for, uh, you know, TV or movies or something like that. Um, that, uh, that I'm, that I'm getting ready to try to figure out which ones and I got to needle it down to which ones I want to share with everybody else. So I'm super excited about that. So there's a lot of cool stuff to be able to hopefully be able to share in the near future as far as music is concerned. So, so yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, Matt, it's a, a pretty great story. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I want to bring it back to NHL and uh, the season real quick. Uh, just get yep. your thoughts on, you know, some of the trades that happened. Carlson, Tavares, uh, what are the, some of the teams you're watching? Who are you watching out for this year? Um, you know, just some quick thoughts on this uh, season since we're just starting it off. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, now, I, you know, you always as a player, I think, sit back and say, like, man, you know, I, I wish I would have hung on or were able to hung on for a little bit more here and play and, and, and this, that, and the other thing. But, man, I'll tell you, I was watching the, the, the game the other day and the amount of skill that is in speed and, and the amount of skill with speed right now in the game is absolutely at its pinnacle level. And I was talking to Jeremy Roenick about this last year. I'm like, what is the next level? Like, is, is everybody going to be like Connor McDavid in, in the next like 10 years at that making plays at that speed? Like, what is the trajectory of this thing? Cause it is absolutely fascinating to watch. So uh, that's the most fun thing for me to watch for sure. Right now. I mean, the trades were obviously exhilarating. I mean, you know, being a, being a skilled defenseman, Eric Carlson was one of the most fun guys to watch for sure. And kind of be around on the ice. So, you know, obviously it's a bit of a, a bit of a tumultuous situation right now in Ottawa and you hate to see an organization and, you know, what is predominantly good people go through some, some of that stuff up there. And like, you know, I, 
you know, maintained a pretty good relationship with Mark Crawford being with him in, uh, in Zurich. So I kind of feel for stuff that's going on there right now. There's a couple of good St. Louis boys up there as well that we've been around for the last couple of years, especially Brady Kachuk, who my wife is just in love with just like one of the sweetest <laughs> boys there has ever been produced that family. I swear to God, like they just create like these Brady's amazing, a, amazing, amazing. Brady's people. a blue line um, hockey cover. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, he is one of the nicest human beings I have ever met. And I, and like, he is just, like I said, like he's, everyone's probably going to hate him the way he plays on the ice, but I'll tell you what, like, I mean, the, the, the amount of respect that he's given my, my family and my kids and his, and not only to mention him, but just Walt as well. Like, and this community is small here in St. Louis and it's, it, you know, it's, it, you, I think he's that guy you build the team around you know you build that crew around a guy like that um obviously you'd like to try to keep a guy like carlson around um but hey i mean that's going to be an exciting team to watch in, in san jose right now i mean i was watching i i think I, I watched a game last night i think that was they scored their first power play goal which is like just a garbage goal off a cane skate um and i'm like i can't believe that's their first power play goal like they've got almost too much firepower you know like who's going to shoot the puck who's going to shoot the puck um so that's been fun. Obviously, the Tavares situation. Toronto's kind of uh, held a special place in my heart as far as my career um, was concerned. I, I, you know, I had a I had a great opportunity to play there. I didn't I didn't play as many games as I would have liked because that was the one of the years that I blew my knee out. But the, the amount of respect that that whole organization uh, treated me with was was second to none. We hadn't I ended up having my son up there, so there's a there's a soft spot for them. So I kind of watched them a little bit closely. Um, and I know Johnny, Johnny Taveras as well, just kind of threw a bunch of other people in training together in the summer. So super happy for him. I mean, what a tough decision that what it had to make in the, in the off season to, to decide what you're going to do. I mean, he's an honorable, honorable man. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's tough. You got to do what's right for yourself, your family. And I mean, at the end of the day too, I, you know, Toronto is building something there and to be kind of, to get him, you know, it's not the last piece for sure. Um, but it's definitely one of those ones that's going to turn Toronto into a place that a lot of free agents were scared to go to just because of the scrutiny. And, and really at the end of the day, this the non-successfulness of it into a place where a lot of people are going to want to go play now because they can come in and be supplementary pieces around those two guys that, that they were able to, you know, they're going to end up being able to build the team around, not to mention the rest of the supporting cast that they have there. Um, so, yeah, those are the, I mean, obviously the other teams I'm watching is the guys that I am close with. I got a bunch of buddies still on the Bruins and it's fun being here in St. Louis, obviously an NHL town where I can, you know, go to the games really quick and see guys before the night before to grab dinner and go down after and, you know, I actually tell my kid that I that I know a bunch of these guys and that I actually skated out there every once in a while. So that's kind of fun. They so, can uh, corroborate yeah, your story yeah. too. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I know that guy. I swear I do. He's like, I swear. Whatever, Dad. And I... <laughs> so, and that's kind of the cool thing too. At the end of the day, you know, on this side of the mountain right now, it's about the kids. And I, you know, I'm kind of living vicariously through my, through my son right now, um, just watching the passion that he has for the game and just kind of, you know, seeing these guys and, and, and like I said, the availability which we were talking about early to all the, the different highlights and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I just, I can't imagine 
being able to have that back in the day. Like I remember like trying to tape Rangers games on the VHS, like <laughs> over what I ended, I ended up literally taping over like my, my grandmother's birthday thing or something. My mom's about ready to like cut my head off. Like, so like just the amount of stuff that these guys have the availability to and like learning on the skill side of stuff and, you know, like we talked about that Pavel Barber guy early, like, you know, we ended up striking up a really good friendship when he was through here um, in St. Louis. And it's just like, you know, he's really doing something amazing for these kids. And it's like, you know, giving them the, the amount of content he's able to give them. So it really grows the game. And you, and you don't really think about it on that level to be able to see like the, this is why the skill level is continuously ramping up is because guys can see this random move some dude did and like you know bumfuck nowhere and like oh my god that was amazing like let me try that you know and then it just it's up the bar again and again and again so i mean it's it the league is in very very good hands with the kids that are coming up i mean there's obviously a downside to that too that i that i won't get into but um you know, you see guys' careers getting cut short and they, you know, the middle ground guy gets pushed out um, at times and it's a lot of a contractual situation. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, what an exciting time it is for the NHL right now, for sure. Hey, Matt, just uh, real quick, too, we were talking about Brady. He got his first goal tonight. I saw that. It was an absolute beauty, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think he did just you guys see one. the goal? Did you guys see the goal? Oh, he got another one? Good yeah, he had two. Hopefully it was better than the first one because the first one he was like standing, he wasn't even looking at the puck and it bounced off his skate. And I was like, hey, man, they don't ask how. They don't ask how. I got my first point in the NHL. Get it. I, so, I heard them talking about it on the on the air, too, that um, that every single Kachuk has gotten their first goal against uh, the Flyers. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that pretty? Isn't that crazy? Like, that is crazy. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Poor flyers. So, hey, let's uh, let's wrap it up here with Matt. I'm sure he's got some things going on with his. Hopefully, his kids are in bed by now. But um, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody has some last minute off the wall questions that we usually do at the end of, end of the interviews here? Anyone? Bueller? Are you? Fortnite guy, do you play Fortnite? No, no, never, never got into video games ever. I mean, I was just, I, I was too busy playing music, you know. I mean, that was the one thing. Like, remember all the teams going, like, so what are you doing? Like, you, what's this music thing? I'm like, guys, like, I don't really play that much golf, and I don't play video games. I play the guitar. Like, that's that's what I do. Like, so I never got into that. I mean, I don't get it. I definitely do not get it. That's for sure. How about your beer or liquor? You go to the bar, what do you get? Beer or liquor? Um, it depends. I'm a, I'm a beer or a tequila guy. I like this. Uh, actually, it's uh, Brett Hole and Barrett Jackman's uh, tequila. It's Coda Coat Tequila. So that's a little shout out to those guys. But those they, they become good friends of mine here in St. Louis. And that that stuff is my definitely my go-to liquor for sure. And then uh, my dad's a huge beer guy, made his own beer. So I kind of got, I get to try a bunch of different stuff, craft beer wise, especially in the Northeast. Like I get a package like once a month with like this random fucking uh, <laughs> beer that he sends me from all over the place. I'm like, what is this, man? It's called like, you know, the, the, the cat's dragon arm. Like, I'm like what, is <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> like, Drink about um, one of them. So yeah. <laughs> is, is, dad, is dad more proud of the hockey or the music career? 
You know, it, it's tough to say. I mean, I, I think, you know, he was just one of those guys. We, my brother and I were so, so, so fortunate to have parents that were just, they were enamored with the fact that we were so passionate uh, about stuff and whatever we were passionate about, they wanted us to succeed in. So they're just like, you know, they're, they're like pigs and shit with us, just as my brother and I, just as far as being so happy and, and so uh, passionate about what we've been able to do and kind of see it through. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, you got to have an addiction to this thing. And, and, it, and that's what it is. I mean, you have to be addicted to stick handling a ball around a, a mark on the ground at your house. Um, and, and they, you know, they saw that insanity and same with me, like trying to get the chord writer, trying to get the songwriter, trying to get that. So I think that they've always reveled in the fact that we were really into something that was, you know, health, you know, so to speak, healthy for us. Um, besides a couple of concussions and lost teeth and a couple of broken bones and a broken out knee and all that. Yeah. So I think my, I think at the end of my career, my dad was like, man, you know, like the guitar thing is not, you're not going to be in this much pain. So like, you know, I think that was definitely something that he was looking at at the end of the end of the road there. But uh, I mean, we're very lucky to have them have supported us throughout this whole thing. And, you know, going back to the whole minor hockey situation, it's like, it's, it's funny to sit back now and kind of look at the, look at some of the stuff that goes on in the rinks these days because you know really there was there was no push from from anybody on our end besides you know to work hard be honorable and if you're going to go do it you better go try to do it as right as you possibly can kind of thing so we were very lucky to have that and um and yeah just kind of they're pretty uh they're, they're pretty happy that we turned out the way that we did and just at the end of the day like i said just that that actually have a passion for something um while we were able to do it so yeah yeah you yeah, guys did sure. all right for yourselves <laughs> two sons in the, in the nhl yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah man i mean you know like it we, we were lucky man I mean, a lot of things got to go right for a lot of people for those things to happen you got to have a lot of you know anybody that tells you you know that, that people made it on their own is full of shit like there's a lot of people that end up helping out with decisions along the way and opportunities and you know shit i mean gear right now is so fucking expensive it's insane and you know that a lot of sacrifices need to get made for a lot of these kids to to be able to not only you know whether you make it to the nhl or not just be able to play and be able to have the opportunity to turn out to, to love something like that so um you know it's it's an interesting sport in that respect because there's a lot that has to go into it on the front end to be able to give somebody the opportunity to do it so you know every, anybody that's able to play or have a passion for it is pretty lucky to have a you know a, a huge support support cast around them for sure yeah that's for sure man hey we really appreciate you coming on tonight matt this has been a lot of fun it's uh it's been a little hockey and a little bit of humor and everything in between so it's been awesome man no problem guys my great pleasure time. man very Anytime. much appreciate it yeah great no time problem. thank you all right, Matt. You have a good night, man. Have fun in St. Louis. You too, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Take it easy. Talk okay. to you. Throw me up. Throw <laughs> What the hell is that, man? Uh, anyways. All right, Matt Lashoff with us tonight. Um, had a cup of co coffee with the Bruins, uh, Tampa Bay, and uh, Maple Leafs. No, yeah, Maple Leafs, right? So, yeah, Maple Leafs. OHL. Uh, He's been all over the board. 
Um, great guy. Uh, what great stories we got from him tonight and just some you know, all around uh, cool dude for sure. Yeah, Derek hit it on the head. He, well, he's from New York, so we all speak that same language, but he, you know, he, he could have been somebody we grew up with, had a, you know, had a few beers with easily. Yeah, blacked out with, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And, he uh, like how he's got how more the hell we get here with? Brother. I would let yeah. him drive me home from a keg party. Easily. Yeah, definitely. Last Last as long time. as he did a couple of keg stands, we'd be all right. Yeah. Two, and then uh, you can drive. Just two. <laughs> two in a funnel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, a little bit of the NHL going on. We'll uh, touch on that real quick, fellas, before we get off tonight. There's been, uh, I mean, this high-scoring games. I mean, eight to two, the Sharks game last night, and the Leafs were five to two. I don't know what all this talk is about, you know, not, not as much scoring in the NHL anymore. Like, people compare Gretzky to the players now and that's why he had so many goals because he used to score so much more then but i don't see it you no i mean no. look at, i mean you, you, there's never i don't feel like in the history of my history of watching hockey i've ever seen this many goals scored on a constant basis too it's like where the fuck's the goal time <laughs> i know didn't the bruins look like seven zero a couple weeks ago like yeah first I, game I of would, the season? yeah they did they lost to uh geez who was it was when Perhaps. uh Washington Caps from Washington raised the banner and got their rings and everything. They lost uh, significantly. I was talking to Rob earlier. Did anyone see that uh, Matthews and um, uh, who was it? Kane. Kane. The, Kane yeah. the Kane matchup with the whole Kogan twirl of the wrist. Uh, did you guys see any of that? No. no. Just for everyone, listeners too, um, this was a high-scoring game too. Uh, the Leafs won 7-6 in overtime. But uh, it was uh, third period with a minute 24. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Pulled goalie. Chicago pulled their goalie. Kane scores. Minute 24 left. Ties it up 5-5. Then not even uh, 22 seconds later, Matthew goes right back down and scores. Does the whole Colgan, you know, twirl the wrist, puts it up to your (laughs) ear. Um, That's that's Patrick Kane's you know, Sally in the NHL. So everyone was talking about that, especially him doing that in Patrick Kane's barn. So with that said, not even um, 20 seconds later, you know, this is all done in a minute 24. So at minute 24, Kane ties it up. Um, 102 left, Matthew scores. 28 seconds left, Kane scores again, and he does the whole Kogan thing. And that that was most of the drama. The the yeah, ending that was that place kinda, was erupted at that point. Yeah, it was <laughs> unreal. Could you imagine being there? But that just goes to the point. I mean, yeah, the scoring in the NHL is unreal. And just just to elaborate on that more, if you watch Austin Matthews, he knows what he's going to do with the puck before he gets it. So that last goal he had, he actually like stuck his stick out. And to stop it and then slapped it quick. So he knew what he was going to do before he even got control of that puck. And so watch Austin Matthews and he gets that puck in that like little crease above the shooting crease above the net. It does. It's less than a second on his stick and he's firing that pucker at the goalie. Yeah. That goes to what that goes to what Matt Lashaw was talking about, right? The, the NHL is in good hands. There's so many young kids. You know, it's like exactly what he said. Where is this league going? Because there's so much friggin' young talent. 
you know, maybe, maybe we got to get used to watching hockey games that are eight to two, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, six to two or whatever it is, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it looks like the league's going to a pretty high powered offense kind of, kind of league. And maybe something, maybe eventually the goalies will catch up, but it looks it's like exciting. it's the other way right now. It has yeah, to it be good for the fan experience. It just, I mean, it has to be. So we also talked about Brady Kachuk getting two goals tonight, rookie. And, uh, was it last night or the night before? Troy Terry scoring five hole, five hole Terry sticking it past Jimmy Howard in a shootout. Three blue, line, three blue line hockey clubbers right there, boys. Somebody yeah. asked him about the five hole, and he says, I honestly don't even think about the five hole. It just fucking comes, <laughs> it opens up, and I shoot it. <laughs> yeah, so that's there's some rookies right there scoring, and, you know, young bucks in the league really playing well, so. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, yeah, yeah, that's true. Hopefully tonight, Arizona, you know, Arizona hasn't scored a goal yet. And uh, tonight they play. This year. They They haven't scored yet. What? Where's Clayton at? I don't know. Who are they playing around? Tonight? Yeah. Hold on. But, yeah, that that was pretty crazy. I I thought Arizona was going to be pretty good. But uh, well, it's just started. They're they're only they two last year too. So, I mean, fucking hurricanes are on top of the league. So that says anything. The Ducks seven points. Yeah. They're one one with the Ducks right now. Oh, they hey, scored a goal. They did get the first one. It looks like it was. Oh, Keller got an assist. It was D Strom. 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 Yep. Canada. Nice. Yep. We're right in the swing of things, guys. We're getting into a good NHL season, and the uh, college hockey will be kicking off this weekend. So we're going to have a lot of good college and NHL hockey to talk about in the upcoming weeks. We also have some great interviews coming up for you guys to listen to as well. Get on BlueLineHockeyClub.com. Check out our gear, order our hats, our shirts. Subscribe, support subscribe. Blue Line Hockey Club. Subscribe to our uh, our podcast will get you some emails of what's going on. Also, send us some messages if you want to hear from a certain hockey player out there. We'll try to get them on the show. And uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And until next time, folks, keep your stick on the ice. Hey! Keep your head up. Peace.